I found that the every pivotal job I've had in my career has been one that I resisted to begin with. So I resisted my first sales job was at a company called Vcall. I was there for four years. I resisted uh, going to LinkedIn. I thought I would get lost there. Pivotal change. I resisted starting my own business. It's so, so scary. Took the leap. Here we are, right? I've done really well. I think that's an interesting thing for me. I just kind of a quick mantra there that like joy really is on the other side of fear. Just take a deep breath, hold it, jump off the high dive and just see what happens. You're listening to That Worked, a show that breaks down the careers of top founders and executives and pulls out those key items that led to their success. I'm your host, Callan Harrington, founder of Flash Growth, and I couldn't be more excited that you're here. Welcome back to another episode of That Worked. I'm excited to release this week's episode. My guest is Sam McKenna. Sam is the CEO of Hashtag Sam Sales Consulting. Hashtag Sam Sales is a multi-million dollar sales consulting company serving over 165 clients and consistently hitting triple digit revenue growth. Sam is an award-winning sales leader, LinkedIn sales insider, angel investor, board member, and highly sought after speaker. She has broken 13 sales records, has over 70,000 LinkedIn followers, and she's been named a top 25 woman in revenue and a top 20 woman in sales leadership. She inspires sales professionals with her tangible sales tips and actionable advice used daily by executives and teams alike. That's a lot, but it's worth every bit of it. And she did not disappoint in this episode. We talked about her trademark, Show Me You Know Me and how you can use it to cut through the noise. I believe it's more important in this market than it ever has been. We dove into tangible ways you can use LinkedIn to build your brand and shorten your sales cycle. And I loved getting the chance to understand Sam's mindset, how she goes against the grain, how she uses fear to find joy, and how she embraces her authentic self. With that, let's get to the show. Sam is the founder of Hashtag Sam Sales Consulting. Sam, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Way to show me you know me by including the hashtag in our name too. I appreciate it. Okay, <laughs> so I want to talk about that. I want to talk about where that name came from. Mm. But before that, tell us about FedEx. <laughs> so I believe as a leader, right, we need to have a certain amount of debauchery. We need to have a certain amount of self-deprecating humor keep things light. So let me tell you this story about one time, one of my reps, his name is Jason, and he he knows the story obviously very well. But Jason and I were working on a deal with FedEx. We were very excited. It was coming to the end. It was going to be a really big logo for our organization years and years ago. We're so jazzed about it. And finally, we saw the red lines come in from FedEx, right? The legal counsel sent it to both him and myself. We were so excited. And I was like, (gasps) and I sent him a, you know, Slack we were using at the time. And I was like, FedEx. And then he didn't say anything. And I was like, I called his desk and I was like, oh my God, FedEx. I was excited. He didn't pick up his phone. I texted his cell phone, nothing. So I finally called him and he's like very long, drawn out draw. And he's like, hey. And I'm like, hey, oh my God, FedEx. Did you see the red lines came in? And he was like, oh, what? And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, what are you doing? Where are you? How do you have not seen this? And he was like, oh, he's like, I was in the break room getting an orange. And he's like, what's happening? And I'm like, oh my God, move your ass. <laughs> like, head to your desk. Red lines are in from FedEx. Let's go. Total urgency. So 
we laughed about it later. And of course I called up the BDRs in the Charlotte office. And I was like, before Jason comes in tomorrow, I need you to pack his entire desk up, like build <laughs> tons of FedEx boxes and put oranges everywhere. So he came in the next morning and I was like, I will teach you to never make that mistake again. To always be checking your phone. <laughs> Urgent bird gets the worm. It was great. The, uh, the pictures definitely made the round circle company and got at least the light humor there. You have to do it in sales because <laughs> the job is, I made a comment earlier. I was like, the job's too hard. Yeah. You have to be able to laugh about that. And I know that's a big thing with yourself as well. Yeah. Which brings me to a second story. <laughs> so you were a contestant on Nickelodeon. What show? <laughs> I was on Legends of the Hidden Temple. I was an orange iguana. No. Well, that's just all too fitting right now. But so you were an that was my favorite show. I did so not good. realize that it was Legends of the Hidden Temple. How far did you make it? I did not make it far at all, which I blamed on my teammate until my husband, I think, went through like 137 different clips to finally find my session and prove me wrong that it was actually me that got us out. It was the very first challenge. We were supposed to cross a moat, and I did not do a very good job with it. I also, the reason I was on Legends was because I tried out for Guts and they told me I wasn't athletic enough to be on that show. <laughs> so on. I got relegated to be on Legends of the Hidden Temple instead. Also, side note, my dad's side of the family worked for Nestle. My grandfather, in fact, was chairman of the board for Nestle in South America for some time. And as a prize for being on Legends, I got a lifetime supply, which is really like 12 bottles, by the way, a lifetime supply of Hershey's syrup which is still a story my family tells because they were so pissed that it was Hershey's <laughs> instead of any Nestle brand. So really, really went out with that appearance there. Oh, <laughs> uh, that is fantastic. Where I thought you were going for a second when you were talking about your husband, I was like, did she meet her husband Could on Legends imagine? of the Hidden Temple? We were 13. Be amazing. We've been together since. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's definitely a common interest. All right. So switching gears a little bit. I am super curious about the name hashtag Sam Sales. Hmm. What was the inspiration behind that? So I think, you know, I was one of the original posters on LinkedIn, right? I saw a community there. I think the first time I started posting was in 2011. And then I really started to think about how do I get my sales tips out there? It was, I think my first official Sam Sales, I think we found was 2015, if not 16, but I would always get this feedback from my leaders and they said, you know, we never thought to do that or that's such a smart strategy. I would have, you know, the CEO of our company who was a 20 year veteran of Dun & Bradstreet as a sales leader who would tell me my tips were smart. And I'm like, how can this be smart? How can these not be things you guys already do? So I decided I'm going to just start a campaign to post my sales tips on LinkedIn. And I thought, well, maybe I'll do it more than once. So I need a hashtag. And what should it be? There's a reason, Callan, I am in sales and not marketing, because the creativity was boundless <laughs> in pairing my name with what I do for a living. And that is where I came from. So hashtag Sam Sales was born just to make sure on the off chance I posted more than once on LinkedIn, my sales tips that I would have a hashtag to accompany it. But I'll tell you too, like what an amazing thing to do to create a hashtag. All you have to do is type it out. Make sure it's not owned by somebody else, but type it out. Poof, you've created it. Amazing. But I'll tell you, the, the really cool thing is when I got recruited, I eventually left that company. I went to another company called On24, and then I got recruited away to LinkedIn. And while a bunch of people knew me at LinkedIn, my leader, the person that was hiring for the role, didn't know me. And so while we were interviewing at the end, I said, listen, I said, if you really want to know what I'm about with sales and leadership, just Google the hashtag Sam Sales and see what you find, right? And in an instant, we found all of my content, all the things that I had posted, was able to just even see how far and wide it was used by other people using that same hashtag. 
right? In kind of like honor of like, this would be Sam Sales approved or whatever. It was really impactful. I love that idea. I never thought about doing, I mean, it. you hear about branding a keyword. Yeah. And, you know, when you think of law of category from a marketing perspective and things like that, it's essentially what what you did was build that out and you can tie it all all to yourself. Yeah. So 2011, I remember when I first started, I was selling insurance, well, mm. slash financial advising. I was selling insurance. <laughs> and and I remember this is before in-mails, you could message everybody oh, on yeah. LinkedIn. That's great. But nobody was posting. Why LinkedIn? Did you start elsewhere and then move to LinkedIn or what prompted that? It was so interesting. After I jumped from being an account manager, I was an account manager for two years and then got kind of dropped in the deep end of enterprise net new sales by our CEO, who was just like, I think you can do it. And I'm like, I'm scared to tell, but okay, I will give it a shot. Hmm. In that kind of leap, I had my very first meeting with a chief marketing officer and his name was Jim Durham. And he and I met. And at the end of that meeting, he said, listen, he said, why don't you go and look at my LinkedIn profile? Look at all of my connections on there. Anybody that you want to know, just send them an email and say that I recommended you guys meet. And I was like, are you for real? So I did that, but I think it's in that, like the power of the network and then the power of posting and starting to get your name out there just became very obvious to me, right? And I used it as a place, not even to self-promote, but to help people. I think, in fact, my very first post was, I know about some sales openings at a company in McLean, Virginia, if anybody's looking. I think that was as exciting as the very first post gets. <laughs> but you start to see that, right? Like you start to see impressions, you start to see likes, you start to see people say, hey, we don't know each other, but I saw your post and I'd love to connect. And I'm like, oh. And it just became such an easy 24-7 networking event, right? Like it just like it is today. But so many mm -hmm. people still don't see its value. Yeah, I've definitely experienced a lot of what you're saying. Yeah. And one of the things that I've talked about quite a bit is I got into it for lead generation. Mm -hmm. But that's not what sustained it. And one of the things that I think was really interesting was it's probably the best nurturing mm. platform I've ever used for anything. Yeah. I mean, you have you literally have trigger events. If you use Sales Navigator, you have trigger events. You can save all of these things. What have you found that to be? Have you found it more on the new business side, the nurturing side? What does that look like for you? I think it is the easiest way to effectively shorten your sales cycle, right? So you think about a couple of things. Majority of our buyers, right? 90% of them are not in an active buying cycle. In fact, 30% of them are, are lurking. They're learning. They're trying to figure out, do they want to change at some point? If so, who should they use? Most people, when they do get to the buying decision, right? 90% of them have two or three of their vendors already selected. If you are not in that, right? You're probably out of luck in terms of getting selected or even being considered. Mm -hmm. So I think when you think about LinkedIn and what we post in terms of our thought leadership and our tips and our tricks and our events and all that, we're not only nurturing our existing buyers, people that we're already connected to, we're basically continuing to invest in them until they are ready to buy. But hopefully they engage with us and then we can effectively borrow or rent their audience as well. So if mm -hmm. you comment on my post, which you are often, you often do, you're so generous and, and kind to do that. That means the people that you know are also seeing Callan engage with Sam McKenna's post, yada, yada, and then hopefully they engage with it as well. And then you can build a whole process to building your network out, right? I have almost 70,000 followers on LinkedIn, and it's not by accident, right? A lot of that was just a snowball effect of a start. But the second thing, something we talk about in our LinkedIn influencer playbook that's on our website is that you can build a systematic process to not only capture all those net new people, but then to also move them off of LinkedIn onto your own site. Right. That's an important component because we're working on a platform mm -hmm. that's free. 
and that can go away, you know, at the click of a button. It never will. LinkedIn will always be here. But yeah, to me, that's it, right? Continuing to nurture our existing buyers while getting so many new ones. It's meeting our buyers where they are. You hit on a really, a really good topic that I did not, it did not register to me when I first started posting on LinkedIn is it's the goal isn't necessarily to grow the biggest following. Not to say, I mean, you definitely, I think there's value in growing a bigger following because you're getting a bigger reach and more of your ideal customer profile is going to see it as a result. That said, you hit on a key point. It's how do you move people from this platform off of that platform, which of course, LinkedIn's not going to love, right? It's why they deprioritize links when you post and things like that. Now, when you're doing that, are you driving them to a newsletter? Are you driving them to just your website in general? What does that look like for you? We have to have something of value, right? So think about your LinkedIn network. Nobody wants to be told and they don't want to be sold. You'll see even people with the biggest followings, you'll see like for me, for instance, if I post something that's thought leadership and helpful, I'll get a ton of engagement. If I post something that's self-promotional about our playbook or webinar or whatever, like meh. So we know our audience doesn't want that. So if we're just saying, hey, come and you know, sign up for our webinar or something like that, we've got to make sure that whatever we're doing to take them off the platform gives them value. We also can't say, we have a great newsletter, come sign up for it. What about it, right? So when we talk about our newsletter, right, we'll say like, it's funny, it advertises our events, our free women's group, more the merrier. We have a thousand or so people that are signed up for it making sure that they kind of understand the value that's in it for them, what they're going to learn. It'll help them never miss a post that we have and that they can capitalize on all of the events that we do for free. It has to be that whole, right? We always talk about what's in it for them. Mm-hmm. We can't just say sign up for our newsletter. We have to say sign up for our newsletter. Here's what's in it for you. And then we move people off, especially if you have fans. If you have people who are like, who get upset when they miss a post, right? Like hmm. the, we know the bell feature on the profile doesn't work. This is the easiest way to say, here's how to never miss anything that we're doing, sign up. And then there's a whole snowball effect to that, right? You sell sponsorships for your events, you sell sponsorships for your newsletter, you sell Mm -hmm. sell ad placements, et cetera, right? There's tons of revenue that can be capitalized on that. We are giving it away for free, but we are getting money in return by just being smart. Yeah, and it's adding value the entire time because you've got, and I wish I would have realized this earlier and created a, I'm in the process, I'm going to launch my newsletter in probably a couple of weeks. Cool. And I realized that was one of the biggest missing pieces. And it's long form, you have more control, people are opting in. So you got a little bit more freedom to put a little bit more in there. You know, one of the things that I'd love to get your opinion on, because I know this is a big area for that Sam, hashtag Sam sales focuses on is ghostwriting for Mm -hmm. executives on LinkedIn. Yeah, I wish (laughs) that I would have done this when I was at a company. What kind of brought that idea for you to really start doing that? What I'm really curious about is what have been the results of that and the time commitment on the executive? Yeah, the idea came from a very well-known executive at a very well-known social media platform who said, I know I need to do this. I don't know what to write. I don't have the time. I can't manage any of this. I don't know what to do with my DMs or how to grow my network or how the algorithm works. I I know I need to do this, but how can I even make time for this? And that's where I was born. I was like, well, we can do that for you. We can interview you. We can pull your stories apart. We can pull all the things that you're already doing on Forbes and writing all these publications. We can pull all of that, right? And create amazing content for you. And then I'm like, well, if this one person needs it, I bet a bunch of other people need it. So we started to really punch the gas, right? On how we advertise this, how we talked about it, and then blew the lid off of it. You know, we do it for 
chief communications officers and COOs at 20,000 person companies, SVPs at the likes of Meta, you know, really important organizations all the way down to entrepreneurs or people who just got their seed A funding and know that they need to do step it up. We do it for a musical act that has a residency in Vegas. And that is all I will say about that. It's really cool, <laughs> right? Like people want to build a voice on LinkedIn. So I think for us, it's really capitalizing on everything that we know. Like, how do we maximize the algorithm? How do we interview you? How do we pull content out? How do we write a great hook, right? How do we get you visibility? How do we meet your buyers where they are? I'm going to say this too, right? If you are an executive and you're listening to this, or if you're a head of sales and you're listening to this and you say, well, our buyers aren't on LinkedIn. First of all, they totally are. Mm-hmm. Second of all, they don't have to be, right? If I see something really great and I have a group chat, I'm going to drop in a group chat. I'm going to throw it up on six different Slack channels and say, this is really cool. The word of mouth will travel. You have a LinkedIn profile, 900 million members globally do. So you can still click on the link and you can see what I wrote. You need to have a voice. Your competition is either not on LinkedIn and you have a competitive advantage or they are and you need to catch up. They're reading someone's content, better be yours. Yeah, and the reality is from what I've seen, and this isn't any huge secret, but we follow people, we don't follow companies. And yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some companies, like I'm going to follow Accenture or McKinsey's reports because yeah. we know that they put a ton of data in behind this and we're going to do that. Yeah. But by and large, people follow people. They don't follow companies. And yeah. if you're not doing that, I think that's a big gap. And you mentioned one of the ones I think is really interesting is startup founders. Yeah. You're interesting by nature. Your story is how you came to do this because you're doing something that really just makes no sense to do. We know the <laughs> stats. Most of these businesses fail. Yeah. So just by the nature of continuing to do that, it's interesting. So one of the things I would love to switch gears a little bit. And so when you went to On24, mm-hmm. and as I understand it, you did not want to be in sales whatsoever. <laughs> and you joined and you were really successful. Mm-hmm. What changed and what were some of those turning points where Something, what clicked where it's like, oh, okay, I'm pretty good at this because I'm doing X, Y, or Z. Yeah. I found that the every pivotal job I've had in my career has been one that I resisted to begin with. So I resisted my first sales job was at a company called Vcall. I was there for four years. I resisted uh, going to LinkedIn. I thought I would get lost there. Pivotal change. I resisted starting my own business. It's so, so scary. Took the leap. Here we are, right? I'm done really well. I think that's an interesting thing for me. I just kind of a quick mantra there that like joy really is on the other side of fear. Just take a deep breath, hold it, jump off the high dive and just see what happens. I think the reason I didn't want to be in sales is because I knew sales to have the reputation that so many people have of sales. Mm-hmm. Pushy, slimy, grimy, calculated, opportunistic, right? All that very lovely stuff. And it's just not me. I care about people. I care about solving challenges. I care about being of help. And oh my God, that's what sales is. Right. So for me, the lens changed when I heard that. Right. People aren't taking meetings with us for their health. They have problems. They have challenges they're looking to solve. They're giving you time because something something needs to be improved, changed, et cetera, on their plate. As soon as I changed my lens to that and I thought, how can I be a pair of hands? How can I think about the challenges they have? Right. Like that's where the early days of sequence writing for me, one of the things that Sam Sales does so well started because it wasn't like, hello, we have webinars and a platform. Do you want to buy it? It was, hey, here's a challenge we hear from our buyers all the time that we solved. Do you have that same challenge? I bet we can help you. Wait, what? Right. That's how we really think about it. We're here to help. We're not here to market. Here's what we do. Come by us. We're here to say, we know you have a challenge and that's it. I think for me too, I, <laughs> I was given the gift of 
the little red what is it the little red book by jeffrey gitmer Gitmer? yeah Yeah. uh little red sales book or something like that yeah Yeah. in fact i literally can say it around my camera i still have it but i was given that as a gift i went on vacation and my then husband not my current one who's a delight he was a delight too don't worry but my then husband said (laughs) we're on vacation we made it 13 years had a really good run but my then husband said we're on vacation you know like don't read forget about work and i was like okay and I was like, I have to go to the bathroom. And I literally took my book into the bathroom. I sat in the bathtub, pretended to take a bath, and I read my little book. It changed me by thinking, like, when I read Jeffrey's book and all the mm-hmm. things he was teaching, I just found myself, it's a really good book, by the way, but I mm-hmm. found myself saying, no shit, no shit, no shit, no shit. I knew this stuff. <laughs> this was, I wasn't learning anything. I was realizing yeah. that I already had this skill set. And I think the skill set to me is just having good manners giving a shit about other people, asking active listening questions, showing them you know them, remembering things about their lives, looking to solve challenges, being a connector. It's all stuff that I just learned how to do as a kid, being from Switzerland and having two entrepreneurs as parents. That's what changed for me. And that's what I love about this is that not only can you be the antithesis of that sleazy, grimy person, I've never made a cold call in my life, right? Not only can you be the antithesis of that, but you can also make a shitload of money by really capitalizing on your unique skill set. It's awesome. I love that story. And that book for me was really predictable revenue Uh because it it hit the RevOps side. And I read all the sales books and I'm not, I loved a lot of them, including the one that you mentioned, but predictable revenue was, oh, this can be a process. And you mentioned sequencing and things like that. That was an interesting book for me, too, because I remember my then CEO at Wealthy Associate on 24 being like, this is the most amazing book. And I was like, I can't wait to read it. And then I was like, no shit, no shit, no shit. <laughs> it was the same thing. I'm like, why is everybody losing their minds? I could have written this. But it's, you know, again, like, I think to your, your exact point, right? It's a process, right? Like sales is a process. And having that mapped out and getting to see that connecting those dots is everything. I love, yeah. again, Jeffrey's book was cataclysmic for me. It wasn't anything revolutionary. Same thing for you, right? But like sometimes you just need to read that in predictable revenue and be like, I already know this stuff. Now I see it in front of me. Well, it's validation that what you were thinking is not crazy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> because I think, I don't know, maybe this is my own opinion, but we get stuck in, okay, this is what was successful for years. Mm-hmm. So we're going to keep doing this. And then it's like, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. Then you see somebody else is talking about it like, oh, okay, I told you that didn't make any sense. And it's kind of that it brings it full circle of that that total validation. Where did Show Me You Know Me start? Hmm. It's funny. I will give credit where it's due. Uh, Lee Hacohen is one of my mentors, best buddies, was the officiant at my my second and final wedding. (laughs) And... Years ago, maybe like 2009 or 10, maybe a little later, he said this. He's like, you got to you got to show show me, you know me, right? Like do make the effort. And I was like, oh, that's so smart. So I started to say it and say it and say it. And then it became our tagline. And it's hilarious because he's like, no, everyone. Does anybody know that I was the one that started it? And I was like, no, don't tell anyone. (laughs) But we really made a thing out of it because I think it's so important. Right. It rhymes. And I think it's the coolest thing because it's really adopted. Right. Even HubSpot uses it in their onboarding. It doesn't pay us anything. Hello, HubSpot. Are you listening? (laughs) It's trademarked. But it's the most important thing that I think weaves through our customers and our our buyer journey, right? You have to show your buyers you know them from the very first email we send them with the very first subject line all the way to when we've had a client for 20 years. 
I want to tell you just something really cool. Like we literally, mm-hmm. I cried about this earlier today. We got a clip from one of our partners. They hold a, they run a BDR peer group and a BDR got in there and he said, I have got a lot to share today. And he said, I was put on a PIP last month, right? And this was uh, March of 2023. Got put on a PIP last month. The only playbook I had access to was make dials and dials and dials. And that's all I did. And I would just kept getting blocked from these numbers. And then I just listened to what Sam McKenna said. Instead, I threw that entire playbook out the window. I started doing Show Me You Know Me. And he shared today that he ended April at 190% of goal from going on a pip, right? And then saying, I'm going to do things differently, right? I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to show my buyers I know them. I'm going to pull excerpts out from their articles. I'm going to ask ChatGPT for a little help on what the hell to write about what they're saying, right? I mean, like, this is what we do. We saved someone's job, you know, through our methodology. And it's one of like 100 stories this year, a 1,000 stories that we haven't heard. And you think about that, like showing a client, you know them, putting in the effort. It's not hard, right? Nobody does it. We are the queens of Show Me You Know Me. We're an all-women team, so I can say we're the queens of Show Me You Know Me. The queens of Show Me You Know Me. And people don't do it when they outreach to us. If I look at my inbox, it's full of spam. So you think about what your competition is like. It's nil, right? Alyssa Merwin, the head of global sales at LinkedIn, my former boss, holds one of three identical jobs to her, reports directly to the COO. She posted on LinkedIn a year ago, talking about how in the last three years, she's received four personalized emails. That's insanity. Yeah. Your competition isn't doing it. Put in the effort and you'll clean up. The reality is it doesn't take that much effort. You can, and I'm not saying if you've, you know, if you've got five named accounts, you should, you should put in extra effort. But the reality is it doesn't take that much. Just even showing that, you know, the industry that they're in specifically and drop something from their LinkedIn will go mile. It'll put you miles apart from your competition. One of the things I'd love to actually just call out was what a bold move on that SDR. Yeah. Like, did you say the culture was, it was like, here's your numbers, here's what you need to do. And not that I, and to be clear, not that I think there's anything wrong with that. Now, <laughs> I, I'm up for the debate all day, but just the fact that he threw that away and then said, no, nah, I'm just not going to do this. What you know is numbers, like activity-wise, that that manager, that was the culture, was going, what are you doing? Where are your dials? Where are your dials? I think like the one of the things that has always led to my success, frankly, is insubordination. When I hear something that doesn't ring true to me or who I authentically am, I do or I make it look like I'm doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing while I do it my own way. And then I win. And yes, that is very Sam sales. And yes, that is very like conceited, egotistical, whatever you want to say, you know, about my personality. But I've definitely had for better or worse, A, I know what's best and I can probably do it better. I will tell you, right, this rep had basically nothing to lose. If he kept doing what wasn't working, he was going to be out on his keys for anyway. So instead, he's like, you know what? Why don't I just take this chance, this 30 days that I have, make a gamble and see what happens. And 190%. You think about what he made too. He's probably in accelerators, right? Hopefully. He has a good comp plan there. But to me, it's the same thing, right? We talk about this. Hit your KPIs. Robocall and, you know, hit your connect and sell to make 100 cold calls a day. And then... Pull an extra hour at the end of the day to do some show me, you know me. Do it on 10 people a week. Do it on 20 people a week. What I promise you is that number one, no one is going to give a poop about how you got to your number. They're just going to care that you got to it. And then at some point, 
when you keep getting to your number and other people don't, they're going to say, how are you doing it? And you're going to say, by not listening to you. Just kidding. Um, uh, <laughs> by introducing this methodology that I do, right? Like we obviously want to be polite, tactful and professional and all that. But you think about that, right? I never made cool calls. It was never even part of our culture in any of the organizations that I worked in. And I that was a hill I will, I will die on. And yes, I have a TikTok. And yes, I think I've even gotten death threats about me saying cool calls don't work, um, which is super fun. But I think... <laughs> You just, you do what authentically fits you. You give it a shot, right? Like, and you can try these systems by working a little bit more if you really need to. If you need to make your 100 cold calls and then you put in a little bit of extra time, test a method, give it a shot, see what happens. But I think to your point, right? Like thinking about what you said earlier with predictable revenue, that book was popular for so long. It still is popular, right? You think about some of these methods that have evolved, how we use technology in a different way, how we have to also get back to being people instead of all scale, scale, scale all the time. And you've got to keep up with modern trends. I think that's one of the most, the biggest disservices that we see with a lot of leaders that we talk to is that they still believe, you know, like, well, networking events is where it's at and we're going to make a hundred cold calls a day. And we're like, man, you are missing so much of what's out there to be successful. I think that you hit, I never thought about it like that and is test it in a vacuum, right? Mm -hmm. If you know that you're in this culture where you have to hit X amount of dials, and that just is what it is. Okay, hit them and then carve X amount out to do just highly targeted, show me, you know me prospecting and see what happens. Yeah. Because I do agree with what you're saying. I think my viewpoint is whether it's cold calling or all inbound, I think it all just, it's all, what's the cost per acquisition and what's your lifetime value? And just take a look at that. Does that yeah. make sense? Can you make that work? And some companies can't, you can't do it. You can't cold call because there's a lot, it's, you know, the market doesn't make sense. In other places, it's really hard to drive inbound. But yeah. even if you're cold calling, if you've got, you know, some information ahead of time, you're going to be in such a better spot. Yeah. Well, and think about this, right? Like everything that bleeds through our trainings at Sam Sales, we talk about the art of being different, right? It's not about making 10 more calls. It's not about 10 more emails. It's about being different. So even think about two things here, right? You talked about inbound leads. Let's say instead of immediately responding, let's say instead of auto, you know, responding with a chili piper of the world, sorry guys. But instead of doing that, right? Let's make sure we properly score our MQLs and let's get our top tiers to our BDRs to do some show me, you know me. Imagine if you're an inbound lead, right? We know that not a lot, we still have to work to get an inbound lead to actually book time with us. Imagine if you email that inbound lead and you take four minutes to look at something on their profile and connect the dots. Thanks for contact us form plus Nickelodeon. What? What is it? Right? You'd be so shocked, right? That person's going to respond. They're going to say, who am I dealing with here? We're giving them a different experience. I think for cold outbound, if you do something right and you look at that person's profile again, let's say you're, I'm an open book, but let's say I had nothing. It was a tumbleweed going across my LinkedIn profile. You could find so much podcasts, articles, things that I've spoken at, et cetera. You could find all of that jazz where I'm mentioned in LinkedIn posts. Yeah. And imagine if you put something like that in your subject line, right? Barefoot Contessa plus LMA Conference plus whatever your company name is. You're standing out. It's not even that you've done the work. It's that it looks different in your inbox, right? Instead of like, quick connect, Sam, quick question, leading IT cloud computing. And then Barefoot Contessa plus LMA Conference plus your company name. You're going to open that. You're fighting to even get a bloody open to put the work in. Yeah. And I would say, especially if you're an enterprise, right? 
Because enterprise, you just have to mm. do so much more in every step. And now it's worth it. It's worth doing more because the deal sizes are larger. Your commissions are larger. Everything's bigger. Let's even talk about that, right? Like that mm-hmm. is all I've ever done is enterprise sales. And so you do have to work harder, but you also think like, there's something like big and sexy about enterprise logos. And by no means are they right for everyone. They're really not right for Sam sales, right? If we go after the Deloitte's and the AWS's of the world, it's going to be a slog, right? And it's really <laughs> tough, right? They probably already have that in-house already. But everyone's really excited about enterprise deals. So they go after it a lot, which means your competition is even more fierce because the volume is higher, right? An SVP at a Deloitte is getting... I don't know, 50 emails a day. There was just on stage yesterday or last week with the chief marketing officer of Baker Donaldson, a national firm, Adam Severson, who says he gets 10 to 50, five zero sales emails a day, a day. I believe Can you it. imagine? 100%. So think about this, right? When you do that, show me, you know me, when you do your research, the higher you go, the more important it is, right? But when you do that, you're also saying something to that VP of sales at a Deloitte who has absolutely no time to give a new vendor. You're saying, I'm different. Time with me is going to be well spent. I have decided to go about this in a completely different way than the spammy, salesy stuff. And you're not only going to build a better brand, you're probably going to earn the right to the meeting. You may even just receive a response that directs you in another place, but then you can connect with that person on LinkedIn. You can start building a relationship. You can build rapport. You can nurture them. And the other thing is that because you showed up in a different way and you'll probably continue to do that, you'll also earn their trust and their referrals. So we have a chief legal officer, Christine, that's one of our clients. And she's like, I don't refer anybody. I refer you. And there's a reason for that because we show up in a different way. Yeah. And you hit one of the pieces in there where you mentioned, you mentioned specifically that it'll get forward to somebody else. That is just as good, if not better, because that person thinks they don't know that this was a pure code email. Yeah. They just think that this person's already vouched. This is a really good thing. We need to do this. And then they schedule almost immediately. Yeah. Think about the value of that. Also, you being able to pick up, like you use a platform like Outreach or Sales Loft. You can see those opens. You can see those quick forwards. You can see there's something interesting. And frankly, even if they don't respond, like let's talk about the FedEx and oranges and self-deprecating humor that we kind of use there. <laughs> I would say the same thing. If I saw a buyer that kept opening my email or forwarded along, I'd reach out and I would probably put before the RE of the subject line, I would say great emails or terrible, you know, funny, terrible email, something like that. And then I would say, I see you're forwarding them to a lot of people. I see you're opening them. You haven't responded. So either two, one of two things is happening. One, there's interest and you guys are talking about it and you just haven't responded or... You think they're really badly written and you guys are all having a laugh, which is it? Hopefully not the latter, right? And like you put like a little (laughs) smiley face, like you show your personality. I'm going to just say that too. Don't be afraid to do that. We can be our authentic selves. We can be humorous. We can use jokes, right? And emails while still being professional and just, again, showing up in a different way. I heard that early on in my career that my enthusiasm, bubbliness, and smile, like smiliness, made me come across as untrustworthy, unprofessional, and oh, there was something else. Oh, junior. And I was like, well, shit, man, <laughs> this is who I am. <laughs> this is who I am. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? So I think to that advice, like with all advice, you know, cross-reference it with other people you trust and then decide. But I kick that to the curb and you're always going to find a little bit of immaturity in, <laughs> in working with us. I love it. So here's a question I have. Why start a company at all? You were very successful. Now, you may have just answered this because what I heard specifically was you were very much, I'm going to do what I want regardless, which is pretty much an entrepreneur to the T. Yeah. Was that the reason? Was it, I just have to do it my own way. I can't do this somebody else's way any longer. 
I said, you know, I think for me that one, I want to say that getting to LinkedIn was the holy grail for me. Even though I turned down that first job, it was more, again, like I said, it's, it was fear fear that I was going to get a loss at a company that size, which ended up being the completely opposite, complete opposite of what ended up happening, right? Mm -hmm. I got to speak on stages, be part of campaigns that they ran. It was incredible. I think for me, two things happened. One, I just kept breaking records, right? So when I was at LinkedIn, I broke my 13th sales record. And it just makes me think, it made me think, right? Like, this is kind of my nature. I know how to do this. I can teach it to other people. I'm so inspired when I make impact. I told you we cried hearing about 190% of goal from PIP to 190%. I figured there was something that I could do to impact just more than one organization. On the flip side, I had been on a plane every single day from the second week of January until I think the day I quit. Yeah. Right. And that I, that I left LinkedIn. I'd been on a plane. Uh, you know, sometimes my bags weren't even unpacked by the time I needed to pack them again and then leave my family for four days. My husband and two dogs, I don't even have kids, you know, tucking up my pant legs. And so for me, it was like exhaustion. And I hadn't, haven't even been at this game for very long. I've been in sales for 16 years, right? We know people who have done this and been globally on planes for 20 years. And they're like, oh my God, don't even talk to me. But I think I was tired and I wanted a little bit more control over my life. And then the other thing was I wanted to make impact beyond just one organization. So the goal, right, as I, I talk about all the time, the goal is I'm going to work part time. <laughs> I'm going to spend time with my dogs. I have a list that's still undone of like things I'm going to do. I'm going to need a library card at the Library of Congress. I haven't done it. <laughs> I'll get there one day. But it was awesome. I was very, very lucky to have two clients, one of which is still someone who was very, very close to us, the other one got acquired, which is awesome news. Mm -hmm. but I had two clients that said, hell if we know what we're doing in sales, like, will you come and show us? And I was like, uh, yeah. And so I started to dig in. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much to teach. And then, you know, we really blew the lid off. We started in September. We hired our first person in February of 2020, right before the, literally like right before the world shut down. Sure. And then, you know, we've, we're over 170 clients, soft female team of 10, a women team of 10. And We've done pretty well, but it was just, I think to me, it's the ultimate sales challenge. If you think you are good at what you do, there is nothing that will challenge you and terrify you than being an entrepreneur and selling yourself. There's no product to hide behind. When somebody says no thanks, it's no thanks to this, not to LinkedIn sales navigator on 24's webinar platform. It's tough. I've never worked more and I've never had more joy. I'm super curious. This didn't really click to me until you just said this, but was COVID a huge catalyst? Mm -hmm. How you sell is perfectly matched for COVID. Yeah. You had a post the other day where you were talking about, you gave a virtual walk the halls. When I read that, I was like, I did enterprise sales as well at a point in my career. And if you want to do it really well, you walk the halls, you yeah. meet the other people, you get connected to the VPs, you go deep and you go wide mm -hmm. to have all those. And you laid out this perfect roadmap to do that digitally. Did you find that to be a huge catalyst during COVID? For sure. And I think the interesting thing to me about that playbook, right? It's like modern day prospecting. Um, we're going to, I think I'm, I should have posted it during the week instead of a weekend because it got relatively low engagement. But I will say, here's what I'll say. I think it's like 21,000 views. It's still, it's still nice numbers. That's yeah, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I think is interesting is that when COVID hit, the amount of organizations that were reaching out to say, how do we do this? Like, how are we supposed to sell behind Zoom? How are we supposed to use LinkedIn? Like, we don't have networking events. We can't go in person. What are we supposed to do? I almost like 
was baffled. And I looked at them and said, what did you do between your conferences and between your networking events and between your in-person meetings? Like, those are like massive bricks and boulders of your sales process. Like, where's the mortar? What did you do then? Right. And they were like, I don't know. And you're like, cool. So (laughs) what? And we say that about Sam sales, right? Like I think your, your sales process, right? Your Sandlers and your spin sellings and your challenges and all that, those are the bricks of your sales process, right? You need those. We're the mortar. We're methodology agnostic, but it's like, you know what to do and what stages to go through. We teach you how to do it. And that's exactly what we taught, right? How to show up on LinkedIn, how to build a network, how to connect with people in a non-cheesy way, how to not pitch slap with a P every single buyer that comes your way. What do you do to build rapport on Zoom? How do you start the call? Is it okay to capitalize on someone's background and say something about the Legos that they have on the shelf behind them? All of that stuff that for me was always part of my sales career. I've been remote since 2011. You know, and like, while I went in person, it certainly wasn't the most efficient thing, right? We had to qualify deals before we went in person. It wasn't our, you know, clients ask us, how do we get more discovery calls in person? I'm like, Jesus, why would you? Mm. Right. And it's true. Like, let's be efficient. We can connect in meaningful ways this way. So COVID was huge for us, but I'll say like we, every single year, I set a goal for myself. I, I, um, when I was 30, when I was 30 years old was the first year I made six figures. It took me until then to do that. And I said, I'm never going to make less money in my life. And I've, held true to that every single year, earned, you know, a seven figure earner at this point. And always thought about that for our business as well. How do we make sure that we keep growing and keep pushing the gas? You know, we sky's the limit for us. Last question I have, Mm -hmm. if you can have a conversation with your younger self, Mm. age up to you, what would that conversation be? And what advice would you give them? Don't make me cry a second time today. That's what I'm going for. (laughs) (laughs) I would say hold your breath and jump off the high dive. There are so many things that I did based uh, wrapped in fear when I was younger, scared of if I would make money, scared of if I would succeed in my career, scared if I even picked the right school, right? And I make decisions with a hell of a lot of intention. It's also why most of the big swings I've taken in my life, I think all of the big swings in my life have worked, worked out pretty darn well, but I wish I'd been a little bit less fearful. I really wish, and for every big decision, you know, for people who are thinking about starting a business, having a kid, getting a divorce, whatever it may be, right? Like talk to your mentors, take a deep breath, and then jump into the deep end and see what happens. I love that. The story that I tell is to the T, I can't even make this up, is that I'm not good at starting in the shallow end and walking my way to the (laughs) deep end. So I have to just jump straight in. I love it. I'll meet you there. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Sam, this was awesome. You've gave so many good takeaways and I appreciate you coming on. Thanks Thanks. for being here. Thanks for having me. Great conversation. Thank you. Absolutely. I hope you enjoyed Sam and I's conversation. A big thing I took from the episode was trusting yourself. If you've got a way of doing something that's different than the norm, do it. The results could be amazing. If you're not following Sam on LinkedIn, I highly recommend jumping on there and hitting the follow button. And if you did like this episode, you can find me on LinkedIn to let me know. And if you really want to support the show, our review on Apple Podcast or Spotify is very much appreciated. Thanks for listening, everybody, and I'll see you next week.